AOL. Welcome to the Brian P. Swift All Things Inspirational Show. Brian is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and success coach. Are you ready to move your vision forward and be inspired every Wednesday a little afternoon? Here is your host, Brian P. Swift. Good afternoon. This is Brian P. Swift, a.k.a. The Quad Father. You're listening to All Things Inspirational on this rainy Wednesday. But don't let the rainy Wednesday bother you. Into each life, a little rain must fall. So, you know, I usually start the show with a, a little quote or something, but this time I want to start it with a more of a thought, something that I do every morning. I, I wake up every morning and think to myself, how, how far can I push myself? And how far can I push my company in the next 24 hours? And and not that it, it's a, it possesses me, but if you are not thinking, intentionally thinking about your own personal growth or your own business growth, it is not going to grow automatically. Nobody stumbles upon success. It's a quote, it's a quote I like, and you have to constantly be looking at your skills, um, your why, and a whole slew of other things. I read something about Michael Jordan. He was asked one time, what was his best skill? And actually I asked that, on social media, and I and I, I received a lot of answers, but not one of them was the right answer or the correct answer of what he said. And he said a lot of people thought it was his ability to dunk or his ability to to score, his ability to play defense. He was gritty. He w- you know was committed, but his answer was I was coachable. Michael Jordan thought his best skill set was he was coachable. He was a sponge. And he was aggressive to learn. And people, I don't think you can teach somebody that. Um, As a coach, you have got to want to be coachable. You've got to want to be aggressive in your ability to learn and make changes. So I thought that was interesting. Are you coachable? Once again, I'm going to throw out an opportunity it's, it's a little free ebook on clarity. And I think this could help anyone, especially maybe young people leaving college um, and, and, and going into the adulting world, which let me tell you is not all what it's cracked up to be. But it, all you have to do is email me at bswift62 at comcast.net. Again, it's bswift62 at comcast.net. One of the things I do, I... I try to empower people to live their dreams by developing this grit mindset. So this clarity helps you figure out where exactly are you? What do you exactly want? What, what's down deep inside of you? Yes, you went to college. Maybe you didn't go to college, which is, which is fine. There are lots of great jobs out there that you don't need four years of education And like I tell people, don't let the education get in the way of your learning because I'm a believer that college should be three years tops unless you're going into a specialty, maybe even less than three years. At this point, high school should probably be two years, um, maybe three years. Um, The nature of everything out there is changing. I think we got to catch up with the times. We're going to have a quick word from some sponsors, and then I'm going to come back 
with Kelly Cullum, your college coach. All of us are out there as our kids are working their way through grammar school and high school and figuring out maybe they want to go to college, maybe some don't. And when you look at the cost, especially here in Illinois, it is outrageous. The cost of an education is unconscionable anymore today, especially when you look at other states and what they charge. Illinois is robbing us blind, my opinion, and not providing the best opportunity for kids who want to get out and get an education and not come out of that with the national debt strapped to them. So what Kelly does is she helps parents and students kind of navigate their way to financial freedom instead of debt. So we're going to hear from Kelly when we get back from our sponsors. Thank you. 40 WJOL. Welcome back. This is Brian Swift, the Quad Father, and I'd like to welcome our guest, Kelly Kellum. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for having me. No problem. You work in a field that I've never heard anybody else do what you do, but having three kids um, go through college and a slew of my friends and, and family deal with the price of education it is definitely a hot topic. Yes. Or should be a hot topic. Now, I don't know how everybody has the ability to fund these forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year colleges, even if their kids get scholarships. Because you can get a thirty thousand dollar a year scholarship, which I've seen kids get, and they're psyched about it, but when you're still paying fifty, fifty five, sixty thousand, when you look at the debt on the back end of four years, it's still, it's still over six digits. And my guess is most of them probably aren't getting some of the grants for maybe having a low income. But why don't you tell us what you do and how you do it? And uh, I'm sure people would love to hear. Thank you so much, Brian. Yes, I am really passionate about this because you are correct. The price of college is exponentially higher than it has been in the past and especially post 2020 there are more students applying to school than ever before or at least let me put it this way there are more people applying to more schools than ever before so enrollment or at least the applications for enrollment have gone up by about 30 percent 20 to 30 percent at a lot of these colleges and universities so really what i do is help families of college-bound students figure out how they're going to pay for college without breaking the bank or without rating retirement because unfortunately you mentioned you don't know how some of these people are doing that that's how some of them are doing it and Really, I'm also trying to educate families that if they are rating their retirement, you know, what's going to happen to them in 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Are their kids going to support them? Are they going to move in with, with the students that they put through college? Do they even want to have that happen? The other side of it is, and I was speaking with a family recently they have to make a decision about sending an oldest child to college. And and this is fresh in my mind, but I've had this conversation with many people. They're making a decision about sending an oldest college to oldest child to college, realizing that there are three more coming behind that student. 
can they afford to put all the eggs in this one basket or do they need to step yeah. back and i've seen that i've, I've seen it um up close and personal where friends have sent their first kid off you know it's your first child out of three let's just say three and they send them off first of all very few kids have a dream school when i hear that my eyes roll back and i think i don't i I probably can't say what i think but when parents tell me this is my kid's dream school i'm sorry i don't know too many kids that have a dream college i'm not saying there aren't any Mm -hmm. But when they, they sent their kid off to a Bradley, basically, 40-something thousand dollars a year, four years graduated. Within those four years, the second kid was coming up to school, and he was looking at, like, uh, Michigan State or Michigan, and all of a sudden, it was like, well, maybe you should look at state schools. You know, they're they're cheaper, they're affordable, and I think they realized... I don't know if we could do this with our three kids. Well, and that's another thing that I do want to educate people about is that depending upon how, and I hate to use it this way, how marketable their kids are to the colleges, a state school isn't always the least expensive route. But most people look at just the sticker price and then the cost of, you know, room and board and they say, okay, well, the public school is, the state school is going to be much less expensive. Part of what I do is help students from freshman year on, and sometimes I work with students in eighth grade, to figure out what classes they need to be really competitive to get into the private schools. And then they're not only planning the path, the rough path that they're going to go in, because we all know that most kids don't even really know what they want to do for the rest of their lives at the beginning of their senior year of high school. But I help them get a rough path and take the right classes for the kinds of things they think they want to do, for the kinds of schools they think they want to go to. And that way, they're very competitive. I work with them on the activities. And it's not about trying to be the president of every club. It really isn't anymore. It wants to be a very narrow path. And the more passion you show for something, the more interested the, the colleges are. And today, there's also the projects that they like to see students involved in. Some call them passion projects. Some call them sure. showcases. Whatever you want to call it, that is a big part of it, especially if you're looking at the really selective schools. You mentioned University of Michigan, the Harvards, the Yales, the, well, Bradley isn't as selective, but you're still, you have to set yourself up right to be competitive for those schools. And that's when students get the merit aid. Most people don't even know about that. Right. No, and I've seen the merit aid handed out, but those schools also thrive on just general business. People coming in for general business. I mean, they're not going to turn down a student who is willing to pay $55,000, dollars $70,000 a year, who wants just to take a, take, get a business degree or a marketing degree, the same degree you could get at, the same degree you could get at other schools for probably half the price. They're not turning them down. I mean, but unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a little down on colleges, probably because of the cost, I think has gotten, as you said, exponentially outrageous. 
kids aren't any more educated today. Actually, the, the kids have more information at their fingertips. And when you look at the first year to two of any college, Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan State, Harvard, Yale, they're the same classes that my kid took at a junior college for $28. Well, no, that was me, $28 a credit hour. <laughs> so that's showing you how old I am. But where you could go to a junior college and get them for next to nothing. Same classes. English 101 is English 101. Um, it, it's such a shame. And like I said earlier, I, I don't even know if college needs to be four years anymore. With the way these kids are coming out of high school, with their tech knowledge, with their ability to get information, um, they need other type of other type of education, something that provides wisdom, I think, and life experience. And that's certainly not sitting through one year of Com 101 and English 101 and Math 101 and Sociology 101, the same stuff that a lot of these kids took in high school. Well, and it always surprises people when I say, I agree with you 100%. I would be a huge proponent of every student in high school having to take a life skills class. Oh, 100%. And I, right. And I don't just mean, you know, a, a semester of cooking. I mean all of them, everything from how to change a tire to, um, believe it or not, how to pump gas. I've had that uh, experience no, with I, teens who couldn't I, do that. I, I believe it. How do you get out of driver's ed? And there's three things that just amaze me. How do you get out of driver's ed and, one, not be able to change a tire? Two, not know how to jump a car? And three, not know how to pump gas? How aren't those requirements to get out of driver's ed? That blows my mind. Oh, I agree with you. And I talked with a student recently, and I won't go into too many details because people will figure out who it is, but I... Uh, was driving a car with this individual and we had to stop for gas and this person had no idea how to pump gas and had been driving for a year. So, you know, there are a lot of life skills that I feel kids need. I feel they do need some of that wisdom. At the same time, the way that colleges have combated, well, families wanting to send their, their students to junior college is they have stopped giving as many slots admission slots or as much money to the transfer students. They are really out there, and the, the word I use is courting the first-time freshman. And if you have taken any college classes that aren't dual credit or IB or advanced placement, IB being uh, international baccalaureate, you're no longer considered a first-time freshman. So are we doing a disservice to the students Possibly. Sounds like it. I mean, I don't, I don't even think possibly. I would say definitely. So I know all three of my kids, and I, this way I describe it to them, do you want to get out of college owing 100000 50000 or 20000 Those are every kid's options. That it's, it's re, Unless you're Papa money bags and want to raid, like you said, raid your retirement, raid your savings, which I think is doing the kids a disservice let alone yourself, because you're not teaching them anything. They don't love you anymore because you paid for their school. I guarantee that. I That was my question to all three of my kids. All three of them wanted to go away to certain schools. All three of them went to junior college. 
for the same reason that you could get out in two years, you can work and be debt-free. I have my third child who is going to a school in Arizona because it was $11,000 cheaper to go all the way to Arizona, including room and board, than any state school or private school here in Illinois. I mean, I'm not talking 3000 I'm talking 11000 including room and board. Just amazing. And it's a small, Christian, beautiful school. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're right. And why would a school want to court somebody coming in their third year and get two years of money out of them when they could court a freshman and tie them up for four years? And you're, you've raised a really good point there. The other thing is, uh, the other really good point you've raised is about the small schools. And that, quite honestly, is where a lot of my students end up going. First of all, my program is all about finding the right fit. And let's face it, these big colleges are not the right fit for probably 60 to 70 percent of the students. I agree. And then when you go to the smaller schools, the name doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't. I've talked to corporate recruiters. I've talked to many people who have said the name of the college you go to doesn't really matter as long as they have a decent program in what you're studying. So going to a smaller school that has a good program and is going to give you the same education for less money it's really the biggest bang for your buck. Totally agree. And speaking of that, I, I spent almost two years, part of my job was recruiting, growing a Fortune 1000 company sales force. So I, I worked with recruiters. I was doing interview after interview. And after a while, I noticed that I could, I, I could get, 50 resumes with kids who had, let's say it's a four-point scale. I know some you know, some of them go higher, but they were all 3.5 and above. But they had absolutely no other experience. They weren't involved with clubs. They didn't play a sport, which not everybody is going to play a sport. Didn't, didn't, didn't work over the summers, did nothing. And I could sit them down and interview them and ask what they did. And their biggest accomplishment was I graduated in four years with a 3.6 GPA. I'm sorry, but is somebody on the other side of the desk? That tells me that you know how to read and regurgitate information. It tells me nothing about, do you have any life skills after that? And I would rather hire somebody with a 2.5 GPA that, worked through the summers, was involved with clubs because the life experience, the people experience, the adulting they had to do to work over the summers, to to belong to clubs, to contribute to other organizations, to be involved, that kind of experience, they don't teach in college. That kind of person was valuable to me. Yes, and that's one of the other things that I try to find for students is colleges that give a lot of that hands-on experience. Most people that are in corporate 
or actually in any job now, are saying the same thing you are. These kids need to come out of school with some kind of experience. So, for example, in the STEM classes, having some research they can do over the summer or being able to do an internship or multiple internships over the summer where they're not just getting coffee and sitting there with the copy machine. You know, we all know some people who've done that. Right, right. They work for mom and dad and... and they worked their hours that they wanted to and were not, was not put out. So that you're, I agree with you. You're seeing it because I was no more impressed with a U of I graduate as I was the Northern Illinois or DePaul versus any other school, St. Xavier, St. Francis, keep going. I didn't care where you graduated from. Last thing I cared about. Second last thing I cared about was your GPA. I looked at it. I wanted to know it. Most thing I wanted to know about was what did you do outside of school? What did you do? You weren't so you weren't you. You didn't work. What What did you do? Like what What was your time spent doing? And now some kids I could talk and they could tell me about this amazing summer job they had. Maybe it might have been helping in a you know a concrete job that they were hauling concrete and they were doing this, but they had to make sure that you know the the trucks were. I mean, this was real life. I don't care if they were working in the concrete or I had a lot of people in the landscape industry. You know what? Those kids learned a lot about life, a lot about dealing with people, a lot about a lot of things that are not taught in school. I'll take a 2.5 with a work ethic all day long. Well, and you raise a good point because those kids came out of those jobs knowing the meaning of hard work, which is half of the battle. And also knowing that you have to show up for work every day, especially in those smaller things like concrete or, or landscaping. You don't show up. And but jobs. what if it's hot? Well. What if it's really hot and I'm tired from the night before? Mom. Well, that's called responsibility, right? As you said, adulting. And, you know, I really like finding the schools as i said that do a lot of that and encourage the kids to stay and and do the internships close to close to school and not just um, spend their summers going home and visiting with their old friends the other thing that you brought up is the organizations you know every single major on campus has pre-professional 100 yes And they all feed into the actual professional organization. When I was in college, and I know this was a long time ago, I was a public relations major. I was part of the Student Public Relations Society of America, and we fed right into the professional organization. And going back to your idea that these these employers want students with experience, again, this is an old... Uh, example, but I went to San Jose State University. We're very close to Stanford. For almost all of the STEM programs, possibly not the science programs, but all of the engineering, uh, the aeronautics programs, they were actually, the companies were actually hiring the San Jose State students over the Stanford students because the San Jose State students were required to get experience. So they came out of school with actual know-how. And that, and, and people like that, you could tell so much about. I, I, can, you, I can tell so much about a student that even coming out of, 
high school that, that was involved with activities. I don't care if the activity is choir. I don't care if the activity is ROTC, whatever that may be. It doesn't have to be athletics, but they were involved. And, and I know what it takes to be involved. Band. I, I coached high school football for years. I think the band worked harder than the football players. I've never seen people in a band. Now, the school near us, they've, they, they win award after award for their band. You talk about working hard. You get a band member. My God, they are put through the ringers. You would never know it. You would think band, okay, they learned to play an instrument. I'm telling you, those kids, no discipline. They know how to be a good team member. They know how to, I could keep going. It's, it's just amazing. And I think we're missing some of that out there. Um, but the good thing is I like what you do. I, you look, you understand the programs and you understand, and which I've seen is, and maybe people don't know this, you can actually negotiate with a lot of these smaller schools, right? You can negotiate with a St. Xavier or St. Francis or whatever. They will, based on you coming in and sitting down and having an actual legit good reason. Matt, my kid would love to come here. But they they will work with people. Yes, they will. And that is actually part of what I do with, with families. I'm working with a family right now where all I'm doing for them is helping them uh, appeal. And you're right. It is a negotiation, but I try to get families to look at it a little differently because they go in there, you know, with no, I, you know, I, we deserve this. That's and not a negotiation though. No, it's not. That's a demand. Right. And so there is an appeal process. Right. And sometimes you have to go through it more than once and you really do need somebody to guide you through it that knows how to do it. I agree. But yes, most of the time, if you're patient, then most of the time, if you've got a good reason, they will give right. a little more money if they know that you will then come to their school sure. because you mentioned it. Schools are businesses. 100%. At the end of the day, what they want to do is put students in their seats. And unless they've already filled the seats for your particular program, then they really need to sure. get your student exactly. to attend. But the bottom line there is it has to be a two-way street. Right. They have to have a very attractive student, a student that really has some things going on, has the background, like you said, they've done some things in high school other than just take a bunch of AP classes. Not, don't don't get me wrong, AP classes are hard. They are college classes, but there has to be more than just book learning there. And then they, you know, they have to see that this person is a really good fit for our school. And that's part of where I come in, awesome. is finding that fit. Let's come back and we'll talk about AP classes versus dual credit and maybe some other things. Uh, but it, can you tell people how to get a hold of you? Yes, you can reach me at kelly at yourcollegemoneycoach.com or my business line is 847-997-1400. All right, Kelly, thank you. We'll come back. After a word from our sponsors. WJOL. Welcome back. This is Brian Swift. I am here with your college coach, Kelly Cullum, 
We're having a great conversation. Parents, even your uh, if you're not a parent, should listen up because this is a subject you will have to cross um, at some point, assuming your kids go to college, which I'm all for. I have one son who works in the trades, um, but I asked him one thing, at least get your associate's degree. And he uh, abided by that and at least got his associate's degree, but is killing it and thriving in the trades, which we need desperately, uh, tremendously. We, we need trade people. It's a honorable, tough, good living. Um, the, the men who built this country broke their backs building it, and we need more of those men out there to make sure that our roads and infrastructure up, our electricity, our gas, our heat. I mean, I could go on forever, but college isn't for everybody. But if it is, you're going to have to be looking at a tab that might be detrimental to your kid's future, may, may be detrimental to your future. So when we stopped, we were talking about the difference between AP courses and dual credit. Now, maybe, maybe it differs from state to state or school to school. Because I know AP, from from where my kids went, if you took an AP course, you had to then pass an extremely hard test, which I have some kids that, I know some kids that are crazy smart. I'm talking 30 plus on ACTs that could not pass these AP courses. And then we found out that there were these other courses called dual credit, which are amazing because all my kids went into college with at least nine to 12 credit hours of um, like amazing, like college writing, um, a, a great course writing and, and is something you're going to do probably no matter what you end up doing in life. But some of the courses they took were great courses, but they got college credit for. Um, do, is that why I, I would imagine that's why getting to the high school student might be a, a, a good a good fit for you to start there so that they can start to look at dual credit or AP courses. Some of that will minimize their college debt too, correct? That is absolutely correct. And that is one of the reasons I start with the high school students. When I build that college roadmap of classes, most of the time there are honors or AP or dual credit classes that I'm recommending. As a matter of fact, I just recommended uh, college writing to a student because, you know, he's not a candidate for AP English. Not everybody is. No, not at all. And I was, I was, but I certainly wasn't a candidate for physics and AP calculus. So, you know, why would I expect everybody to be a candidate for an AP English class? So... I recommended the college writing because colleges, first of all, want to see that you can write, but that you can challenge yourself beyond the English one, two, three, four. Correct. Right. And then with the AP classes, those are for the more advanced students. And yes, you have to, you don't have to pass the test at the end to get credit for the, the class at high school level. And it also weights your GPA because you get an extra point for your GPA. However, again, not everybody is cut out for it. And you do, in order to get the college credit, you do have to take the test at the end of it. Most of the classes 
to pass the test with enough credit to get with a high enough grade to get college credit, it has to be a four or a five. And most of the schools are looking for a five. So it is very difficult to do that. But basically, it shows them if you can do well in the class. Sure. It shows them that you're capable of doing college level work. And that's the kind of student they want. Right. Right. Part of part of the way they look at the students is, is this student ready for college, whether they took an AP class or they took a dual credit. Now, going to the dual credit, a lot of people don't know about that. And more and more high schools today are doing the dual credit. Basically, it means that they take, say, a rhetoric class or they take a computer class or they take some other or a math class that gives them credit in high school but they technically take the class at the junior college for dual credit and that gives them the college credit but it gets around this idea that then they're not a first-time freshman when they apply to the college okay and actually they most of the classes were taught at the high school um and there were class college writing was the big one all three of my kids took because it counted as a if they took two of them i think there was a one and a two they had to take their their their, their senior year and then i know there was a a business law class that counted and then there were you know they all have to take so many electives right and i was shocked at some of the electives that were dual credit and again if you're looking to become you know a, a professional or you're looking to be a, a dentist or a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, and some other things you might not be interested in. But there were things like welding that was a dual credit course that, you know what? Here we go back in again, a neat life skill. It's a life skill that maybe you'll use, maybe you'll never use it. But I know a lot of kids taking classes like that because they need, right? They need their electives. Why not take an elective that's a dual credit class if it's something you like and want to do? Well, and even some of the classes that aren't dual credit are amazingly worthwhile. For example, I'm working with a student who um, was thinking he maybe wanted to become a vet. And his high school, believe it or not, has a pre-vet program, has a pre-vet class. I have never seen that before. I've never heard of that. And it gives, you know, students an opportunity before they get down this road and start paying tons of money and have to choose some of the more selective colleges where they won't get as much of the merit money to to get into vet school. And so, you know, you find out pretty early on if it's the right thing for you. Welding, uh, actually one of the Joliet schools around here has a welding class. Their auto shop, I do believe, is dual credit. And by the way, my stepson is looking at those. Yeah, I mean, I think, small. you know, learning about small engines... I mean, I watched my son work on our lawnmower. It was great. Had a mini bike. You know what? Watching that and being a part of that, I think is awesome to know, have this knowledge. And and not just this kind of knowledge, but stuff we talked about earlier, you know, whether it's home ec or finances, you know, how to balance a checkbook. Why, why a debit and a credit card could be good, could be extremely bad. Uh, all those life skills. Well, and that's how I originally got into this. Well, 20 years ago, I was, a, I was a teacher, and so I was seeing students who said they weren't going to college because they didn't have the money for it. But I also saw students who went to college and spent so much money they couldn't go back the next semester. I 
am actually a financial coach. And I was working with people who, as adults, had debt from 20, 30, 40 years ago because they didn't know how to manage their money. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't know how to manage my money in in college. I came out with debt, even though I didn't come out with any college debt. I came out with credit card debt. I came out with a car payment and then didn't have enough employment, or I should say the field I went into, not knowing what they make when you come out in public relations. I was basically Mm -hmm. underemployed for the amount of debt I had. So this is also something that I feel pretty strongly about. And that's how I ended up doing this. I didn't want my own kids coming out, my stepkids coming out with tons and tons of debt. And and people don't want to hear it, but shame on you parents for not preparing your kids. I'm sorry. I don't. Maybe my parents were just that awesome. I, I I don't know what it was, but like this was something that was not foreign to me in college. This is why. I mean, they explained why I I went. To, I did go to a junior college. I went to uh, you know Moraine Valley and the why. Uh, you know, when looking for a new car, you didn't buy a, a, an expensive new car. Why? Because of the payment. Because you weren't making the money. You could put it on your credit card, but. And I don't know why parents are so afraid to say no to their kids. It just, it boggles my mind. I don't know, we're too, they're too busy trying to be their friends. And the last thing my parents were worried about were being my friends. Um, and I got two amazing parents that taught us so much about life. Um, blue collar, uh, people today couldn't run, could, couldn't keep up with them. So let me talk about one more subject before we wrap up in a couple minutes. What about, uh, and it's something I'm familiar with because I run a nonprofit and I've used it to help get equipment for people with disabilities, including myself. What about grants? Grants are fabulous. Grants, especially if you're looking at an advanced degree, master's programs, PhD programs, grants are the way to go. But even for the underclassmen, even for the uh, undergraduate programs, grants and scholarships are definitely the way to go. But you start small. You start with the local scholarships and the local grants, and then you build up from there. But grants don't have to be paid back. Scholarships have to be, well, and grants too, have to be used for something very specific, but they don't have to be paid back. They do take some work Oh, to to, yeah, very buy for them. sure does. And I always tell my students, this is your part-time job while you're in, in high school, keeping your grades up and looking for these grants and scholarships and applying for them. Because let me tell you, the essays alone take yeah. many revisions. But I even had one of my stepkids, uh, college counselor, say, yeah, that's their that's their part-time job. That needs to be what they are focused on after school. It is. My, we did that with my son, even though he was working probably 20 hours a week over the summer before he went to college. I said, you know what? I'll sit down with you. I'll show you how to search for grants. You've got to be specific. Then you've got to read through them. Because there might be a requirement that you don't fit, you don't match. And it could be something as silly as the state you live in. It could be so many things. And you're going to, when it's all said and done, I want you to find as much as you can and apply for them. And like you said, that college writing came in handy 
because you are writing essays and competing for that money. And he got, I think, three different ones. And you said, like you said, small one was 500, but I think the other two were a thousand, which is huge. Just think about that. It's $2,500. Think if you could do that every semester, $2,500 in grants from other companies, because I know usually you can only get it once a year, most places. But if you could get $2,500 each, even each year, look at that. Look at what you've just saved. That's just grant money. That is just grant money. And that is definitely something that I work with students on because you're, you're right. It has to be very specific, very specific to that student, very specific to, you know, everything from not just what they're majoring in to what activities they did in high school to what organizations their parents are part of. There is a lot. And I work with students on how to search for the things that are most likely going to you know, work for them. And yes, you can get up to, I've known people who've gotten up to 15, 10, $15,000 a year, $20,000 a year in, in grants or public money. There are a lot of different ways. And the other thing that people don't realize is that even when you're in college, you can still be applying for grants and scholarships. And you can bring that cost down. Maybe you take a loan the freshman year and maybe a smaller loan the sophomore year and then you don't have to do a loan junior and senior year because you've got these scholarships and grants. Is it true that there's millions of dollars in money out there that's never used for kids that go to school? I'm not sure that it's that it's never used for kids to go to school. I think what happens is that so few people apply for some of the scholarships and grants that they end up giving it to somebody that is not maybe the target student they were looking to give it to. And then what I have noticed is that some grants and scholarships that students were applying for last year or the year before are no longer giving the organizations are no longer giving anything out because they didn't have enough students applying for it that they felt they were really right. giving it to the right people. Yep, and I think we saw I saw some of that just within the nonprofit I work with um, coming out of COVID. Uh, man, you know, getting grant money as I call it, it's it's a blood sport, but it is worth it. Versus what? What do you, you know, so say instead of playing on your game system or watching TV for two hours a day, search for grants. And students don't want to do that. And that's something where someone like myself can help the parents, frankly. You know, parents want to have good memories from their student's senior year. They don't want to have fights from the summer before junior year, summer before senior year, all the way through the senior year, and even the summer before the kids go away to college. They don't want to be fighting about, well, are, did you write these college essays? How many re, re, uh, revisions have you done? Have you been working on scholarships? You know, because it's a numbers game, we actually recommend yeah, that they do 10 scholarship applications a month. So somebody like myself can come in and kind of have some of those difficult conversations and let the family have good memories. Okay. Get some of the stress out of it. I, I'm going to disagree. That, that you, you can still, I believe, require your kid to do this and not make it a big fight. Like, this is what you're doing. 
I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Strong, uh, maybe some people think it's strong arming, but does your does that kid have a phone he's paying for? No. How do you like the phone you're paying for? You want it to continue to ring? How about paying your insurance? You know what your car insurance is? You want to pay that out of your pocket? I, I, I think parents have just gotten. I have great relationships with my kids, and I am a an extremely fair and firm father. But as God is my witness, my kids have never said no to me, to my face. <laughs> we, we, I, I don't want to know behind our backs. We're, we've all been there. But I, I, I think if you start out from the beginning being firm with this is it, it, your freshman year, this is what we expect. It, it, I don't think it has to ruin a summer or ruin that relationship or ruin, ruin anything because bottom line is you're building this kid up to handle life. And life is a crap storm that doesn't care about our kids. And the only people that do are us parents that truly care about our kids. And we have to prepare them for that. And that is not easy because sometimes it does cause friction. I know we only have a couple minutes left. Let me, let, let's, uh, what I'd like you to do is just because I think what you do is amazing. I think what you do is so necessary, um, so helpful. And when you look at the amount of money you can save a family, I mean, that that's incredible. So tell us again how people get a hold of you, Kelly. Well, and you're right. I, I say just my clients alone can save an average of $80,000 over the four years. So that tells you there's a lot out there. They can reach me at 847-997-1449 or Kelly at yourcollegemoneycoach.com and I'd like to offer all of your listeners a free 15-minute consultation just to see you know where they are on the college sure. roadmap. Thank you for offering that. Listen, you, you should take advantage of this. If you don't, you're silly. You could also find Kelly out on social media and uh, thank you for listening. Kelly, thank you for coming in today and sharing this with us. Thanks, Brian. And for everybody else out there, stay dry if you can. And God bless. Have a good day.